This show was originally broadcast on the 17th of August, 2015. Diffusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro-seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. And on this Singing Astronauts special edition, we have Paul Willis... Will Berryman and Chris Hadfield. But first, here's some diffusion news. It's the Sydney Science Festival, so I'm running around like a mad thing. Last week I recorded the interview and live stream you're about to hear. Then I chatted with a quantum technologist from Macquarie University about interviewing several of his people in the future. Then I interviewed a physicist at Sydney University about relativity and space travel. And then I spent the whole weekend at the Sydney Mini Maker Fair splitting my time between the Maker's Place stand and interviewing lots of makers. Monday, I took a Periscope live streaming workshop. Tuesday, I attended part one of Professor Steve Cole's Templeton Lecture on Social Regulation of Human Gene Expression. Wednesday, I'll be at a speed meeting event where science communicators and scientists meet with science fiction and crime fiction writers. Friday, I'll be at part two of Professor Steve Cole's Templeton Lecture, Evolution, The Moral Philosopher. And there's no other news this week, so that we've got more time for The Singing Astronaut. Science. Last week, Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield arrived in Australia and had a conversation with 10,000 students around Australia by live stream video over our ancient copper phone network. The day before the live stream question and answer session, I spoke with the people who made it happen. And after the interview, I'll play some highlights from Colonel Hadfield's discussion. Dr. Paul Willis is director and host of RIOS TV, Australia's science channel, from the Royal Institution Australia. Will Berryman is the chief executive of Hostworks, who provide the technical support for RIOS TV. This interview was conducted by phone because everyone was in a different city. I can't yet afford $900 broadcast quality phone recording equipment, so I hired a professional conference call recording service for the interview. As a result, my voice will sound quite different, but it's still me. I began by asking Paul how exciting it is that he's got Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield speaking live to schools around Australia. Got to love my job, haven't I? Uh, Yesterday I was talking to one of Australia's leading paleontologists. Tomorrow I'm going to be talking with an astronaut. I mean, how good does life get? Yeah, we've got Chris Hadfield, the Canadian singing astronaut, coming into the studios here in the centre of Adelaide. And what we're going to be able to do is put him live in contact with, I think we've got just over 10,000 students around the country. So we can actually pursue RIOS's goal of engaging Australia with science by putting 10,000 students in contact with an astronaut. That's amazing. So roughly how many schools would that be? I think we've got 230-odd schools registered at the moment, and those numbers can go up uh, quite significantly overnight. And why is it important to get an astronaut talking to school kids? 
Well, the most common answer that I get when I talk, not just to astronauts, but to people who've won Nobel Prizes, done amazing things in science, they always start by saying, I got my inspiration to do this when I was a kid, and it was Neil Armstrong, or it was Albert Einstein, or, or there'll be a famous scientist. There were role models there. And so if we want to inspire the next generation of technologists and engineers and scientists, the people who are going to build the future that are our kids today, we need to present them every opportunity for the role models that will help them set their path to the future. I think that's absolutely right. One of the great things is that Chris Hadfield talks about how he started and then his inspiration come when he was nine years old. Yeah, yeah. And like a couple of years back, we had Andy Thomas, Australia's own astronaut. And Andy, similarly, his inspiration was sitting there watching Buzz Aldrin walk on the moon. And he said from his home in Adelaide, Mummy, one day I'm going to do that. And well, he didn't walk on the moon, but he was certainly uh, an astronaut and spent quite a lot of time on the International Space Station. There's just something about space that just makes us wonder. You know, it's just that sense of, of, of wonderment and makes us think bigger and think of you know, possibilities and things. I think it's, you know, exciting to find someone who, you know, has disciplined themselves and studied and, you know, and can introduce that sense of wonder to, to young people. It's a fantastic thing to, to be around. He fulfilled his dream. Well, yeah, and, you know, it, I come across this in virtually every walk of life. You know, the number of biologists that I come across they got started because they used to watch David Attenborough on the television and so their opportunity to see him. Another one, last year we had a similar event to the Chris Hadfield event tomorrow with Brian Cox and we took Brian Cox to I think that was 16,500 kids across the country and into New Zealand and they were all able to ask questions in real time of Brian Cox and just the, the sheer enthusiasm and the inspiration that that man can have by quietly, patiently answering kids' questions about the universe and, and, and hearing that wonderful accent of his trying to say millions and millions. <laughs> yes, it's wonderful stuff. So how does this happen? How can you reach that many people at once? Well, I'm glad that I'm not responsible for the back-end technology that actually makes the, the magic and the wonder of Australia's Science Channel. That's come about because of this wonderful collaboration with Hostworks. They have provided us the technology that allows us to be able to do live streams on this kind of scale. It's their bread and butter. That's what they do for a living is uh, make these platforms, as Will will be able to explain in much greater detail than I. But if it wasn't for that collaboration, if we didn't have that support from Hostworks, then it simply wouldn't happen. So uh, Hostworks are a company that's closely associated with the Royal Institution? Yeah, look, absolutely. You know, we, uh, we're both company, we're, we're a company based in Adelaide. Uh, the head office of the Royal Institution of Australia is in uh, Adelaide and we work partner together to be able to sort of create these digital experiences in bringing science through exciting means and, and new technology to Australians. It's a fantastic collaboration for us. We're one of the country's largest digital enablement companies where we design, build and operate and, and manage the distribution for some pretty large digital properties in the country. And 
we're delighted to be able to work with the RAOs in order to bring their content and their passion and enthusiasm to help communicate science through through video and through through online technologies. And it's fantastic for, for our people. We're a company made up of scientists, uh, engineers from all uh, different fields and crafts. And, and for our guys to be able to develop these new technologies to help the RAOs, it's just a fantastic marriage. You know, our guys uh, really get a really get a huge kick out of it. And and we use RAOs as a way of testing and proving new technologies uh, in, in, in content delivery, and I, I think it works. You know, we get enlivened. I think as much as the as the audience of RAOs out of doing this work. Yeah, and I think the, the description that I like of the relationship is Warehouse Works digital lab rats so that they can test out their, their new ideas using us. And we see them as our digital roadies. They're the ones who help us put the show on in the online space so that we can talk to the world. Will this be up on the net for people to look at later? Yep, we will be posting the bits and pieces of it. I'm not sure that we're going to post the whole thing, but I think that we're going to pull out the, the, the highlights and have them as packages available on RIOS TV uh, uh, in the future, yeah. Oh, that's good to know. And while you're there, of course, check out all the other wonderful stuff that we've got there. Basically, if you've got any interest in science whatsoever, you'll find something that will be absolutely engrossing on Australia's Science Channel. So what sort of things have you covered recently? Oh, look, uh, we've got a whole mixture of uh, bits and pieces that we've been putting up on the Science Channel. Uh, we're still sort of coming to terms with the setup phase, but one of our big pushes at the moment in the lead up to COP21 in November is we've got a series of productions around the science of climate change. It's a channel on the Science Channel that we call 21.0, and it's actually an endeavour by the adventurer Tim Jarvis and he wants to climb 25 peaks that are on the equator that have glaciers on them. So there's 25-0 there. And he wants to do that in the lead up to the, the, the November Accord in Paris because we've got 25 years before there's no glaciers on those mountains. So 25-0 is a really interesting uh, channel of content to be watching if you've got any interest in climate change. And your TV channel isn't all the Royal Institute Australia does. What's your mission? Our mission is, simply put, engage Australia with science. We're not a science communication company. We don't put a boffin on a box talking about his favourite subatomic particle. I want to put that boffin in a cage so that the audience can poke and prod and ask the questions that they want answered. And instead of trying to inspire the world with amazing, outrageous science, let's get Australians talking about stuff that is relevant to their lives. Let's give them information that is accessible so that they can join in the conversations around climate change, population, nanotechnology, GMOs, you name it. There is so much science around us which is critical to our future, and if we can engage Australia with the science, we'll have a better outcome. If we can talk a little bit more, Will, about how you're getting Chris Hadfield out to the schools. Well, the RIOs have a wonderful production environment in Adelaide, a multi-camera studio, and we take that, that uh, signal that's put together by the craftspeople at, at RIOs and we send it to multiple points in Australia in order to encode it into formats that can be used on a lot of devices uh, you know so we have to make sure that our our feed works on you know all types of desktop and all types of mobile uh, device 
and we have a team of, uh, of engineers that, that sit and uh, work out how to maximise the bandwidth to get that to, to the different schools around the place because you know, we'll have schools in, in you know, built up areas, we'll have schools in remote locations. You know, it's uh, you know, wonderful to watch when we did Brian Cox, you know, there were you know, people in all diverse types of environment. We had students in Alice Springs and in Darwin, we had you know, students in cities. So our engineers sit there and they watch the locations and they work out how to best maximise the data stream of the video that, that goes through. You know, into the into the different places, so that you know the kids get the best available format that they uh, that they possibly can. You know, these are sort of once in a lifetime opportunities for uh, for the students. So we uh, we want to make sure that the experience for them is uh, is, is fantastic. So there's a lot of uh, different you know types of engineering in it. You know, with uh, software engineers that that have built the platform and and designed it. And uh, keep it optimised for the RAOs, and then we have operations staff and skilled people that sit there and work to make sure that these events go off cleanly and, and clearly. And then we have a very large infrastructure. The uh, stream will be sent to both Adelaide and, and Sydney. Uh, we back it up in two different locations in Australia, just to make sure that something doesn't go wrong. You know, the show has always got to go on. And as digital roadies, you know, we want it to be as seamless as possible. So, you know, we've engineers that also specialists in infrastructure to make sure the encoding and, and distribution, you know, is as reliable as possible um, that we can put out, you know, that there's going to be no um, no interruptions uh, uh, along the network that, that, that we run, you know. And uh, as I was saying before, you know, our, our, uh, our staff are made up of... Uh, Mathematicians, uh, physicists, uh, computer scientists, electrical engineers. So, for them, you know, a type of event like this, like Ryan Cox, uh, talk to a you know great scientist and, and engineer, uh, as we are going to tomorrow, is is really terrific for them. You know, it's uh, they're joining a team of uh, of, uh, of terrific thinkers and uh, and great innovators, and it's something that they uh, they really enjoy being part of. It does sound very exciting. And so, Paul, what sort of questions might you be asking Chris? Well, the, the, the one that popped into my head uh, on the way into work just this morning came off the news that uh, overnight on the International Space Station, they ate the first lettuce to be grown in space. And by itself, that's got to be perhaps the ultimate piece of trivia for the day. But the actual implications for that are quite enormous because if we're actually going to think about going any further than the moon, uh, then we're going to need to talk about sending ships up that are that complex that they have gardens on board to be able to provide the food to feed the astronauts on board the ships. So yesterday, uh, as NASA so crudely put it, it was one small nibble for man, one giant leaf for mankind. So that's the kind of thing that I'd like to get uh, Chris's take on. It's just a, how significant is a, an, an event like that? But also I want to do some more uh, personal profile questions to find out what, what he wanted to be when he grew up. When did he first decide he wanted to be an astronaut? And what was the journey that he undertook to get there? And oh, the obvious one, what's it like to actually do a spacewalk? off of the International Space Station. That must be quite breathtaking. It must. And if I can ask you briefly on a, a slightly different subject, the Royal Institute, so that, is that connected to the Royal Society in Britain? <laughs> no, no. The Royal Institution of Great Britain uh, was set up 250 
15 years ago by Sir Joseph Banks and his friends. And uh, as opposed to the, the, the Royal Society, which is about doing science, the Royal Institution is about communicating science. Now, even so, in their 215-year history, the Royal Institution of Great Britain have 10 elements on the periodic table to their credit, including sodium, and 14 Nobel Prizes. Now, RIOs, the Australian Royal Institution, we've only been going since 2009. So no Nobel Prizes yet, and I doubt that we're going to get any elements up. But there is a chance we might get an Ig Nobel Prize in the not-too-distant future. And there is also word, hush-hush, we might get a dinosaur named after us. Ooh. Wouldn't that be a coup? That would be amazing. <laughs> well, Paul Willis and Will Berryman, thank you very much. A pleasure. That was Dr. Paul Willis, director of RIOS TV with Will Berryman, chief executive of Hostworks, talking about the amazing work they do and how a Canadian astronaut inspired 10,000 children by live stream video. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. And now, the singing astronaut, Chris Hadfield. Tanya Meyer is relaying the questions from the kids. Susie and lots of other students, they're keen to get into the space industry, maybe as astronauts, maybe in some other way. Have you got some advice for these future explorers? Sure. So Susie and everybody else, the key is, what do you want to be in life? And I know adults ask students that all the time. So what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think it's an unfair question because you don't know what the choices are. If an adult asks you that question, I would say, hey, let's go to a restaurant and have them not give us the menu. And then the waiter comes up and says, so what do you want? You go, I don't know, what's on the menu? That's not a fair question. And so for a student, I think it's really hard to choose because you don't know what the choices are. So here's what I recommend. Next time you go to, uh, into a bookstore or, or a library, notice what part of the bookstore that you always go to. Because I would bet when you go to the bookstore, you don't go to every single section equally. There are parts of a bookstore that are naturally more interesting to you. You know, you might always go to these three sections of the library because that's the stuff that is really cool or interesting to you. And notice that about yourself because that's kind of who you are. These are the things that interest me. You know, I'm interested in you know, choose whatever three things you want. Brain surgery and horses and tacos. Those are the three things I'm really interested in. But then once you've got those things that you are interested in, then picture yourself being an adult doing one of those three things. I'm really interested in horses. Okay, well maybe I could be a veterinarian. Maybe I should be a farrier. Maybe I should be a jockey. Maybe I could be a racehorse owner. Maybe I should build racetracks. You know, there's, there's a huge world of things that are in the area that you are naturally interested in. So the answer to your question is find out, do it, do it for yourself. What is in your heart of the things that are really important to you? And then visualize yourself as having succeeded in that area. And put that on the wall way in the distances. If everything goes great, then someday I'm going to be, I don't know, the, the person that implants the first artificial brain. Whatever. That's what I'm going to do when I'm 50. I'm going to be the first, you know, like a heart transplant or whatever. I'm going to do an artificial brain transplant. And, and you probably won't. But set that way in the distance as your goal because the beauty of that is it helps you what to choose to do next, which is really the hard part. What, what should I do this weekend? What should I do tonight? And if you don't know where you're trying to get to, it's really hard to decide what to do next because what do you use as your guideline? But if you know that someday I want to be the person 
that owns the horse that wins the Triple Crown in the United States. Okay, well then maybe I should study horses, or I should study racing, or I should study how did Secretariat do so well, or how come Manowar was such a dominant horse, or, or how do horses' hooves actually work, or it doesn't matter. By Sunday night, you could be slightly more expert in an area that matters to you. And you don't own a horse, or you haven't done brain surgery yet, but you have turned yourself into somebody slightly different. You are a different person by Sunday night. And even if you don't mean to do that, you're still going to be a slightly different person. If you, if you spend a whole eating, week, weekend eating chips and watching reruns of Star Trek, you're also going to be a slightly different person by Sunday night. So to me, the, the real key is give yourself a long-term goal and then deliberately change who you are by the things that you choose to do. And that's what I started doing when I was nine. I just thought, someday I want to walk in the moon. So what should I do this weekend? And what books should I read? And what courses should I take? And should I take care of my body? And what, you know, what, what should I do next? And don't despair. Don't say, oh, it'll never happen. Or gosh, Australia doesn't have rocket ships. So therefore, I shouldn't even try. All that does is determine that you never have a chance. So start turning yourself into who you're dreaming of being, little bit by bit. And even if you don't someday you know, implant an artificial brain into somebody, you will have moved your life in a direction that suits you. And you can celebrate the successes every single week. You know, you can go, this week, hey, I didn't do brain surgery, but this week I learned how to use an electronic scalpel. Or this weekend I learned how does the medulla oblongata actually communicate with the rest of my body. You can celebrate just becoming a more capable human being. And it's totally up to you. You are going to turn yourself into who you are going to become, whether you mean to or not. So I really recommend that you do it on purpose because it's amazing where life can lead. It's great advice. Thank you. That was Tanya Meyer speaking with astronaut Chris Hadfield. And finally, here's Chris Hadfield in concert. Hi. On board the spaceship, amazingly enough, there's not only a bunch of scientific experiments, but there's a guitar. And it's a Canadian guitar, a little Larry Vey floating up there. And at the end of every single day, just to relax like I do on Earth, I played music, I wrote music, I recorded a whole album of music that's just getting released right now. I wrote music with my son back on Earth. I wrote music with my brother and uh, recorded a version of Space Oddity that's been heard by, gosh, hundreds of millions of people. And I'm just going to play a couple tunes here to finish out because science is really important. Math is important. But understanding how, what those mean to people and the whole artistic side of it, to me, there's art and science don't know they're separate. That's, just, that, that's what we sort of say. But to me, it's all part of being human. On solid fuel and wires, turn the key and light the fires. We're leaving Earth today. This rocket's burning bright, we'll soon be out of sight and orbiting in space. Push back in my seat. Look out my window, there goes home. That ball of shiny blue is where I'm from and also where I'm going to. So sing your song, I'm listening. Out where stars are glistening, I can hear your voices bouncing off the moon if you could see our nation 
from the International Space Station. You know why I want to get back soon. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Lock your Soyuz hatch and put your helmet on. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made a grade. And the papers want to know whose shirts you wear. But it's time to guide the capsule if you dare. For Thanks everybody for joining in. Uh, hopefully we got some of your questions answered. And remember, the person that you're going to turn into is totally up to you. You're the result of all the little decisions you make. So learn to play guitar. Learn how a machine works. Think about who you want to be in life. It's amazing where life can lead you. That was Colonel Chris Hadfield, the Canadian singing astronaut. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, helpful suggestions, and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends and follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the community radio network, including 2HHH in Hornsby-Karingai, 2NVR in Nambaka Valley, 2XX in Canberra, and 3NBR in the Mallee border districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for more links, photos and videos about this week's show. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, 
you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.